Welcome to the She Who Wins podcast. I'm your host, Renee Bauer. I'm an attorney, entrepreneur, author, speaker, and investor. This is the place where we dive into all of the things that matter to you, and most importantly, uncover what's holding you back from realizing your dreams. Because she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins. Most women I know at one time or another have gone on a diet. I have friends who are on the keto diet. I have friends who are intermittent fasting. I have friends who swear that drinking the tea makes all of the difference on what the scale says. And so this particular episode was really important because I think that as women, we put so much emphasis on getting smaller and losing weight and fitting into a smaller size. And we lose something in the process. We lose a sense of self-worth. We lose our power. We give it away to what society has said is appropriate or how it should look based on what we see in social media on our ads. So today's guest is Alana Vandersloos, and she is a certified intuitive eating counselor, author, speaker, and eating disorder survivor. She is the founder of Freedom with Food and Fitness, where she coaches and empowers those who want to heal their relationship with food, weight, and their bodies through intuitive eating and mindset work. She's a lover of travel, punk rock, music, books, chocolate, and binging Netflix, and she lives in New Jersey, so she's an East Coast girl like me. So I'm so excited to introduce you to Alana and dive into this conversation. It's a really good one, so let's get to it. Alana, welcome so much. I'm so pumped to have you here to have such a great, important conversation that plagues so many women. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Renee. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. So something really interesting happened yesterday, actually, right before this. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, you know what? This this is going to be perfect timing. So I had gone out shopping and I was trying on clothes and like, nothing was fitting and I was getting so frustrated. And so I lift weights, I I power lift. And it was like, you know, all of that, all of that effort. I'm like, all right, this is going to be so good. I'm going to find everything. It's going to fit really well. Well, I actually didn't have that at all. And what what I ended up having a conversation with was um, with a couple of friends who were in that powerlifting community are like, yeah, you know, that's what happens. Like your shoulders or, you know, things get broader. And, and so it's a common thing. But in that moment, I was so like, so frustrated. And I was like, oh, what? Why? Like, why all this effort? Why all this work? And it was like, to allow, you know, something like, something not like fitting over my ass dictate what kind of mood I was in. So I thought that that would be kind of like an awesome place to start because I had just gone through that. And so you do all of this work about like healthy mindset around food and fitness. Um, So let's start there. Like, let's just start with what do you say to me and to every other woman out there who has that moment and they're like, oh, I hate shopping for clothes or I hate bathing suit shopping or like it, it, it like deflates me. Like, what do we do with that information? Oh, that, that Renee is like the perfect anecdote. anecdote. Um, and you're not alone. Like, that's like the first thing I would say to someone is you're not alone. This is such a common thing. Um, and I'll speak to anyone who's a, a fitness enthusiast first, like anyone who's a power lifter or lifts weights and is expecting to maybe fit in a, in a smaller size is muscle can be very, very dense. And, you know, over the past couple of years, I've definitely 
gotten more into weightlifting, even as an intuitive eater and intuitive eating coach. And I noticed that I'm now like hulking out of blazers that I used to fit in, or, you know, my pants are loose around my waist, but like getting them up over my like upper thighs and ass is a complete struggle. So like, it's, it's, it's such a misconception that your body's actually going to get smaller when you weightlift. So I do want to tell that community that it is okay. Um, and to all, all the women and all the men and all the communities is that the size of your clothes doesn't dictate your worth. There's such this, this narrative out there now, because everybody is so thin obsessed and on a diet that if you are not in a small body and you are not a certain goal weight that you're not worthy, that, you know, people won't accept you, you're not allowed to love yourself. And that is absolutely bullshit. Um, so what I suggest when people don't like to go clothes shopping is to find things that you think you would like and grab multiple sizes of Mm -hmm. that thing and go into the dressing room, turn away from the mirror, turn your back to the mirror and try on the sizes without even looking at which size you've chosen first and just focus on how it feels and how it fits. Mm. Because we start, you know, getting into our heads when we look in the mirror and see the lumps and the bumps, which, you know, the fluorescent lighting doesn't help. So um, I would, I would, Definitely focus on the feel and the mantra that the clothes should fit you and you shouldn't have to fit the clothes. Mm, I love that. And, you know, I have always gone back to there's just certain brands that fit me really well. Mm -hmm. And I know no matter what I get from that, I can order it. It will be a good fit. It is right for my body. And so I have always kind of gone back to that. Now, yesterday I was like, no, I'm going to go like go to this other this other store and try to, you know, fit into those. And and it's just different cuts, you know, like, it, and when I was, um, I walked into one particular store and they're like, well, everything runs small. It's European sizing, you know? So, but it can really mess with you. Like, especially when you're paying attention to that number. And, you know, I, that whole idea of you brought up something and I don't want to leave it kind of hanging out there that if you lift weights, you're going to bulk up because, you know, we know that that's not like, yes, I mean, to some extent, your your muscles are getting bigger and certain things are fitting you different. But um, can you speak a little bit just to that too, as to, because well, I don't want people to be like, I'm not going to lift a weight now because I don't want to have this phenomenon where I can't pull like pants up over, over my ass. Well, you know what it is? I, I mean, it depends on how much you're lifting. Like if you're lifting like super, super heavy yeah. and, and lifting to failure, you're going to gain muscle and, 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 and that's yeah. normal and that's natural. And I think we get so caught up in what the clothing size number means and the weight on the scale means and all these numbers instead of worrying about like, how strong are you? How much more endurance do you have? Yeah. Mobility, flexibility, uh, you yeah. know, do you feel good? Do you, do you, do you think that you look good? I mean, everybody wants to, yeah. wants to look good. Um, and whatever that means for you, it's, it's different for everybody. Um, and I think a lot of yeah. what constitutes how we see ourselves and whether we think we look good or not is mindset anyway. It's not necessarily the size of your yeah. body, but it's okay to yeah. gain muscle and be strong. And, and, and if you don't want that, but you still want the strength training and, and to build a little bit of muscle, you could just look less. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, it comes down to finding what you love, like yeah. whether it's lifting, it's running, like whatever it is, like that's making you move and you're excited about doing it. It's 
better than not doing anything. Right. And I think a lot of people get tripped up on what exercise or movement or physical activity or whatever you want to call it, they get hung up on what that means. Like it doesn't have to be an hour at the gym powerlifting. It can be if you like it. And I really enjoy that too. I love lifting weights, but it could be gardening. It could be walking. It could be dancing. It doesn't have to be for an hour. It could be for a half an hour, 15 minutes. It doesn't have to be every day. You know what I mean? Like everybody is in this all or nothing black and white mentality. And that's Mm. where a lot of people get into trouble. I think that was something I struggled with is, is I, ha- I had for the longest time thought if I can't show up and do 110% of what I'm doing or eat 110% perfectly, then I'm not going to do any of it. It's all a big waste. And like it was once I switched that mentality and was just like, all right, so I'm going to have the dessert, but then tomorrow I will, you know, eat a well-balanced meal again or a diet again, or, um, or I'm going to go to the gym and not really feeling it. I'm just going to move and let that be like I think everything um everything for me changed around my perception of it once I I I dropped that all or nothing mentality and is that a challenge that you see a lot of women having oh 100% I you know and that's that's how diets are pretty much set up to be is like you have to follow this plan you have to follow it exactly otherwise it's not going to work and you're going to be miserable <laughs> yeah and then we adopt that black and white thinking even if we're not on that diet and, you know, we'll eat quote unquote really well throughout the week. And then we get a little too crazy with it and we end up binging on foods that aren't as nutrient dense and leave us feeling kind of blah. And then we feel really, really guilty and shameful and it starts the cycle over and over again. So living in the gray of, you know, wanting ice cream, you know, in the afternoon and then having, you know, some broccoli and a protein for dinner and being okay with both of those things and neither one being right or wrong. It's just what you want in the moment and what feels good to you in the moment and feels good in your body. It's, it's, it's all okay. If we allow everything, if we don't put things mm. on pedestals, we run into a lot less problems. And is that what you call intuitive eating? Yes. Yep. All right. So can you talk a little bit more about what that actually means? Sure. So intuitive eating is a scientifically validated anti-diet philosophy. So there are over a hundred studies that validate all of the benefits of being an intuitive eater over following traditional diets. And it's an anti-diet philosophy. We don't focus on weight loss as an active primary goal for Mm. somebody, but instead we want them to focus on how they feel when they eat certain foods um, and in certain quantities and at certain times of the day. And we focus on how to move your body in a way that you can realistically do consistently because we're all Mm. busy um, and in a way that you enjoy. And how can we incorporate nutrition in a way that's not super rigid or obsessive or restrictive with lots of food rules, but rather allowing all foods, but again, really just honing in on when, when am I truly hungry? When am I truly full? You know, what foods am I craving? But you know, if it's something that's not super nutrient dense, like pizza, can I pair it with something else that's more nutrient dense that I still like? So you can have the pizza, but maybe you want to add a protein and a veggie with that pizza. And that's totally Mm. okay. All right. And so how does someone start? Like, where do you start with that? If I say, okay, tomorrow is going to be my day one of being an intuitive eater, like what, what changes? How do I tap into that? You know, my react, my reflex answer to that is to get rid of any sort sort of counting or measuring device. It's, 
it's not counting calories. It's not counting macros. It's not weighing yourself or measuring your body parts. It's, it's getting rid of all those things and maybe just doing an experiment for a week and say, you know, I'm just going to try to listen to my body. I'm going to try to figure out when I'm hungry. I'm going to eat with intention um, and mindfulness and see when I end up being full and see what types of foods I'm craving. And, you know, there's such a more nuanced discussion because I feel like getting rid of all of that at once might be too much for somebody. So if someone's at the really very beginning, I would say go on your social media, stop following dieting accounts or anybody that talks about weight and calories and good and bad foods, get rid of all that noise and start following anybody who's in the intuitive eating space, health at every size, body positivity, weight neutrality, Hmm. any of those types of spaces and really see that there are people out there in so many different kinds of bodies eating so many different kinds of foods and being happy and confident in those bodies because it's not about the body. It's about your mindset around what your body means and what the food that you eat means. So I probably already know the answer to this question, but what when you hear of keto or intermittent fasting or I don't know what some of the other ones out, like what are your takes on that? You know, there are studies out there that tout the benefits of both, um, that tout the benefits of of diets that are the opposite of both of those. You know, there's so many different diets out there with so Mm. many different rules. It's hard to like, what is best for you is really what you can realistically and happily sustain for the rest of your life. Because however you move your body and however you eat, whatever you're doing to have the results that you're getting right now, you'd have to do for the rest of your life. And that's what, that's what people kind of run into as a problem is once you stop a diet, all the weight comes back on. Um, because everybody has like a, a a natural weight set point. It's like that five to 10 pound range where our body feels most comfortable. So if you are dieting to try to get 20 pounds below what you're supposed to be, you're going to have to be on that diet the rest of your life. Otherwise your body's yeah. going to go right back to where it was. So keto, um, it was originally intentioned for children with epilepsy. It wasn't intended to be like a, a fad diet. Um, if you feel good on keto, go for it. But chances are it's too restrictive for somebody to keep up long-term. And that's when we run into mm. issues. I poured my heart, my soul, and even tears into writing a book that is a love letter to every woman I know. She Who Wins the Book is for every woman who is told to smile, to quiet down, and to shrink themselves into their smallest version. It's for every woman who's trying to figure out what's next. It's for every woman who thinks this is as good as it gets. She Who Wins is for the good girl within who is ready to become the fierce female fighting to get out. Visit SheWhoWinsBook.com for exclusive free bonuses when you order now. You, on one of your social media posts, and I think you just mentioned it right now, um, you talk about a natural weight. How how does someone Mm. determine what their natural weight is? They stop dieting. (laughs) They stop using any of those like external rules and parameters Mm. and measuring devices. And they just, they just eat when they're hungry, stop when they're full and once your weight stabilizes, and again, I don't, I don't want anybody stepping on a scale, but you'll see how your clothes fit you, whether it's pretty much fitting the same. Once your weight stabilizes and you feel energized throughout the day 
and, mm-hmm. and, and just generally feel good. Like you're, you're not sleepy. You're not, you know, lethargic. You're not any of those things. Um, that's when you're at your, your natural weight set range. And, and you, you know, maybe you want to get your blood work done and all your blood levels are good. That's when you know you've kind yeah. of arrived at where your body has always wanted you to be. Are you, do you suggest that people throw their scales out? Yeah. Well, I suggest they smash them with a hammer. <laughs> that's better yet. <laughs> that's a question because that really is the other piece to it is, is, you know, people are like, oh, great, Alana, like, you know, I'll eat when I'm hungry and stop when I'm full. But like every time I see a, a ho-ho, all I want to do is eat it, you know, and I, I want to eat 20 of them. So like, what of that? And yeah. there's again, there's this whole mindset component to the way that we eat. Um, you know, a lot of us have started to turn to food because we don't want to sit with negative emotion and we don't want to feel certain mm. things or think about certain things. So we use it as a way to numb out. Or there are people that have been dieting and restricting their calories for so long that when they do introduce those foods that they really like, that they've been withholding from themselves, they binge on them because they've put them on Mm. this super high pedestal. So there's a lot of work that needs to be undone um, in terms Mm. of mindset and nourishing our bodies more consistently uh, and adequately before we can really say, okay, I think I'm ready to be an intuitive eater. All right. So I have a question for you. Sure. I I have grown up, and I'm sure you've heard this too. It's like, you never start your day without breakfast. And then I watched a TED Talk recently, and the woman was like, no, that's wrong. You should absolutely be intermittent fasting and not starting your, your d- intake until like noon or whatever time she put. Which one is right? It depends. It depends on you. I mean, some people like Mm. my mother cannot eat a meal until two o'clock in the afternoon. And if I did that, I would either be screaming at somebody because I'm so irritable or I would be on the floor passed out because my blood sugar is, you know, down near the floor with my body. You know, it's like, it's, it's so hard. I I can say for me, it wouldn't work. Like I, when I'm hungry, I'm very, I get very lightheaded, very irritable, very nauseous. Um, and it, it wouldn't Mm. work for me. And as somebody who had binge eating disorder, I would restrict my calories very severely, which would lead to a binge because my body was trying to like not die. And for me, that would trigger a binge pretty hard. So for me, mm. not great. For other people, I mean, if you feel good, again, if you feel good in your body on it, yeah. by all means, go for it. Well, I just think it's interesting because you're talking about not doing anything in extremes. And I mean, it doesn't it doesn't take much flipping through social media to find someone out there talking about an extreme. I mean, even the teas. You know, there's uh, the adding ketones. Like I saw that as a new thing, like some supplement that's that's ketones or I don't know. I don't know much about it, but I, I just saw that recently. I'm like, well, that's interesting and new. Um, but it's like, it seems like out there, there's so much information and misinformation and different information and conflicting science. And like, it's so confusing. And is that like, is that what, why you're suggesting what you do as intuitive eating as the response to all of this, like mismosh of, of info that we don't know what to do with? Well, yeah. I mean, there's, again, there's so much conflicting information and conflicting diets and science. It's just, it can drive you nuts. And I think what people forget is like, you're not going to biohack yourself to immortality, you know, Mm. like of course, we want to be healthy if that's something that you want to pursue. And yeah. again, that's not like a moral imperative that you have to be on this health journey. Like it's whatever you want to do. But people forget that there's so much more to health than just food. It's 
it's your mental health, it's your sleep, it's your hydration, it's it's your stress levels, it's your yeah. your movement and fitness activity. It's it's your it's your genetics. Eighty percent of our body shape and size is determined by genetics. And twenty percent mom. Yeah, really. <laughs> I mean well, that's the thing. And that that's the thing I really had to come to terms with is I also had body dysmorphia and I mm. which is, you know, when you fixate on a perceived flaw or a minor flaw on, on your body. And for me, it was my stomach and it was never flat enough. And I never had the six pack that I wanted that I saw all the girls mm. on the magazine covers having. And I tried to get, I, I was severely underweight at one point and I still didn't have the stomach I wanted because it's not in my genetics. Like all the women in my family yeah. gain weight in their midsection. We don't gain it in our hips and our thighs and our boobs, which would be great, but that's not me. <laughs> and I had to come to terms with that, that it's just, it's just my lineage. And I had to really ask myself, like, am I willing to fight my body my entire freaking life yeah. to look like something instead of, you know, using that, that brain power and that energy behind something that could actually matter and actually make me happy. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's important to note because it's so funny, like you talk about the six pack and, and that's the ideal because that's what we see. But yet, like, that's just a snapshot in that person's time too. Like, unless they have like just crazy freaky genetics where they can maintain that, but most women cannot. And it's a snapshot because a lot of them are have competitions or whatever they're doing and they've deprived themselves. They like dehydrated their body so that those abs can pop and they don't stay like that forever either. But that's what we're comparing ourselves to, which, you know, it's such a shame because we're, we're not seeing the full picture. So my question then is, um, you actually talk about, or since we're talking about social media and influencers out there, that there are a lot of people in the fitness space who post things like, here's what I eat in a day. And you criticize that. Why? Because it, it, it triggers comparison. It's like, Oh, am I not eating enough? Am I eating too much? Um, and should I be eating those foods? And it creates this comparison and it's not even a fair comparison because if we look at something like, like a scientific experiment, in a scientific experiment, there is one variable so that they can determine and measure, you know, the different results based on that one change, that one variable. When we look at the what I eat in a day posts or full day of eating posts, we don't know with certainty whether all that food is being eaten, whether mm. more is being eaten, how much exercise they're doing to work off what they ate. You know, they mm. want it to look like a lot of food and like, it's okay to eat all this food, but then they're going to the gym for four hours, right? We don't know yeah. their, their photos of their body, whether they're filtered or Photoshopped. We don't, we don't know what type of disordered eating habits they have or exercise. We don't know yeah. anything. So, so those full day of eating posts, I, I don't, like them. And I think that if mm. you look at them and they make you feel less than or insecure about how you are eating, I wouldn't follow them. Do you have any thoughts about calorie consumption and what a normal range is? That's a good, you know, it's a good question and I'm probably going to take a while to answer that one. So I don't, <laughs> I don't count calories. Um, I would say though, if I were to sit down and tally up how many calories I eat in a day for a couple of weeks, I would say that there is a typical range 
that I, I fall under simply because of my genetics and my height and my age and all of those things. Um, mm-hmm. How much food we eat varies from day to day, but I wouldn't say that it wildly varies day to day. Like you're yeah. not going to have like a thousand calories one day and 5,000 the next day. And I usually don't use numbers, but that's such a, that's such a wild, you know, instance yeah. that like, I don't think it's going to trigger anybody, but you, you probably fall in a range. Um, but I would say that trying to stay within a range when your body is telling you otherwise, like trying to stay mm. under a certain amount when your body is clearly hungry for more energy. I think that just, it, it sets us up for a binge later on. Mm. Oh, that's good. So if, if, how do you know, like, how do you know that your body actually is, is hungry for energy versus like hungry for the chocolate because we're PMSing and our hormones are off or something? Like, how do yeah. you tell the difference? That's a good question. So, so there are four types of hunger. There's, there's biological hunger, which is, um, you know, actually being hungry and needing energy. There's taste hunger where we just want to eat because it tastes good, which is valid. You can totally do that, right? If you're PMSing and chocolate's <laughs> going to make you feel better, go for it. It's great. Um, there's practical hunger. So if you know you're about to go into a five-hour meeting and you're not hungry at the moment, but you know in five hours you're going to be like on yeah. the floor, you eat, right? Um, and then there's emotional hunger where you mm. just, you you need you need a chocolate hug and that is also okay. Um, mm. but, but to answer your question in terms of when you're actually biologically hungry, you know, I think a lot of people make the mistake of waiting until their stomach is growling to think that they're hungry. Mm. And at that point, that's really more of a late stage hunger sign. So that's usually why people tend to overeat is they're waiting for that for that later signal. Um, things like tingly, tingling or numbness in your extremities, fog, like brain fog, lightheadedness, nausea, kind of a, a tense feeling in your throat, irritability. Those are all also signs of hunger that people should be looking out for. Hmm. Okay. You talk about on social media, because I did, did a deep dive before we hopped on this call, is you had three thoughts to adopt if you're having a bad body image day. Can you share what those are? So someone wakes up, they're not feeling good about themselves, they're bloated, they're just like, ugh, I didn't lose, you know, I ate the huge meal on Sunday, and um, they're about to go spiral into this like self-loathing. What do you say to her? I don't remember what the exact three were that were on that that reel, but I will tell you some of the things that I have told myself mm-hmm. and continue to tell myself because I, I don't want people to think that once you are healed or recovered, uh, even me as an intuitive eating coach, I still have bad body image days. I still look in the mirror sometimes and go, yeah. well, that's not, that's not ideal. <laughs> that's fine. It, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll say things to myself like, um, you know, yeah, okay, you don't really look the way you want to look right now, but do you want to go back to the obsession of dieting just to get there? You know, like what yeah. else are you contributing to this world? How else are you worthy? Um, mm. Frankly, I tell myself, listen, girl, you're a you're a 34 year old like high school English teacher with a with a toddler. Like, what are you doing, supermodel stuff? Like, what are you doing? Like, come on now, let's let's be a little realistic. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and then I, I tell myself like my. I have to trust my body. I have to trust that, you know, I might not like what I see in the mirror today, but if I listen to my body, my body's going to be where it needs to be at in this exact moment. And it it doesn't really matter what it looks like. Like that's not going to be the thing that I remember at the end of my life, or at least I don't want it to be. Yeah. 
Something beautiful happens, I think, when you reach your 40s, because I'm 45. And there was such a shift, even though I had like the day that I had yesterday, I got over it pretty fast. Um, But there's this shift of like getting into that decade where you have you make such peace with it, you know, because you have this like, I don't give an F. And I'm going to say what I want to say. I'm kind of like you become a little less filtered. And you start to feel like, you know what, like, I've made it through these decades, I've raised the kids, I like I'm strong, I'm independent and things like that have less of an impact. And it's like when I look back at my 34-year-old self or my 24-year-old self, I wish, like I so wish I had this mentality back then because I spent way too long beating myself up or feeling really bad because of a size, you know, which and then I look back at photos and, and I'm sure I know everyone does this. They look back and they're like, oh, I looked good back then. Like what was wrong? Like why did I, you know, so no matter what, we're like our own worst critics. Yeah. And honestly, that that's an evolutionary thing. Our, our brains are hardwired to find the problems and solve them because that's how yeah. we avoided danger back in the day. So yeah. like, I get it. Like you have to, you have to give some, some self-compassion and grace for that. But um, yeah, no, I, I totally wish my 20, my twenties year old, you know, in my twenties, yeah. clearly I can't speak, um, you know, because, <laughs> because I had my eating disorders all throughout my twenties. And I wish she would have known that it doesn't matter. Like, I think I missed a lot of opportunities to be in the moment and very present minded because I was always worried about what I was going to eat next, what I was currently eating and what I just ate Mm. and and what my body looked like or whether there was a roll in my stomach over my pants and whatever the case may be. But yeah, I'm enjoying my thirties because I have, you know, zero Fs to give. (laughs) I just don't care. I love it. Great. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about your book because you are an author. We have the same publisher. So this episode will come out before your book comes out, but we'll definitely be talking about it again too um, back then. So can you just um, share a little bit about about your book and what it's about and what it's called and what we can expect to find within within the pages? Sure. So yeah, um, the working title is Freedom with Food and Fitness, How Intuitive Eating is the Key to Your Happiest, Healthiest Self. And it's divided into two parts. So the first part is all about your relationship with food. And it kind of digs into, you know, why we have a broken relationship with food. And um, it, and, and it's, the second half is like fitness, all about fitness. Um, and I did that purposefully because I feel like there are 10 principles to intuitive eating. And one of the 10 is all about what we call gentle movement, which is basically fitness and exercise. And I don't think enough attention is given to exercise mm-hmm. as a component, not only to disordered eating and eating disorders, but to health in general and, and mm-hmm. a more healthful way to approach it that isn't so rigid. Um, and the whole book between the food and the fitness pieces has a lot of very practical tips and tricks and strategies to becoming an intuitive eater because there is an intuitive eating book. Um, but I, I felt like there was a gap in terms of a book that was super easy to read, super easy to understand. Um, not a whole lot of like actual, like scientific, scientific, you know, scientific research or whatever. Um, and it was just very easy to digest with very actionable tips that someone can implement that day. And it is making its way into the world. I love it so much. So before I get to my final question, where can we find you and connect with you? 
So my website is freedomwithfoodandfitness.com. That's where you can get free resources and the podcast. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Freedom With Food and Fitness, Facebook at Freedom With Food and Fitness. And then I have the podcast, which is everywhere podcasts are. And that podcast is called Finally Free. Awesome. I love it all. Okay. Final question. What does winning mean to you? Oh my gosh. It's, it's realizing that happiness is completely 100% in your control to have right in this moment. It is not in a weight or a dress size or a salary or any of these other things that we chase on this hamster wheel. It is the most happiness you can possibly have is right now in this moment if you change your mindset. I love it. All right. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to have you. And everyone needs to go connect with her and pick up her book as soon as it's released. Yes. That's a wrap. Please subscribe to the She Who Wins podcast so you'll be the first to know about every new episode that drops. Until next time, and remember, she who moves forward fiercely is she who wins.